The following is a production of the Phoenix Studios Podcast Network here at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. For more podcasts, be sure to visit uwgb.edu forward slash podcasts. This is Serious Serious Fun. I, there we I go. look like a ragamuffin. Oh, that's that's artist. That's like art hands. Art hands. Yeah. Uh, These hands. They <laughs> look like big, strong hands, don't they? All of this is staying in, just so, just so we're clear. This, oh. Every bit of this is staying in. Well, hopefully you've got good listeners because they'll know what that's from. Yeah. Do you know what that's from? I actually don't. <gasps> what is that from? Am, uh, I, am I wrong? Have I done wrong? Does anyone know what that's from? These look like big, strong hands, don't they? Have you ever seen a Never Ending Story? The the okay. rock biter at the end when he's like talking about how the nothing tore it from his hands. They look like brute. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so you're perfect for this show, first off. It's, yes. That's it. Um, all right. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, hi. Hey, thank you. Hey, we're, it's a very, that's very enthusiastic. Normally, I have to like coax a response out of the crowds. This is great. I have uh, that effect on people. <laughs> <laughs> They're here for you. Like, uh, hello and welcome to another episode of Serious Fun, a show that exists at the intersection of pop culture and regular culture. I am your host, Dr. Brian Carr from UWGB, Communication Information Science Programs. We are here live once again at the Brown County Library Comic Con. And I want to extend a big thanks to the entire BCL team. That's what they call it. If you're, if you're hip, you call it the BCL. Um, I don't know if that's actually true. Uh, for putting on this wonderful event. And a big thanks to our pals at Stitcher for hosting the show, too. So a big thanks, Stitcher, from everybody. If we could do that. Thank you, Stitcher. My guest this time around is an illustrator, animator, painter, henna tattoo artist and sculptor. She's also active in comics. Uh, she's done work for Vertigo, several covers for Dynamite Comics, and is a graduate of the Kubert School. Kubert? Yes, yep. Kubert. Uh, let's give a big serious fun welcome to Wisconsin's own Carly Eide. Yeah. Thank you. Carly, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me on the show. My pleasure. Thank you. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. Tell us the Carly Eide story. Uh, oh. Kind of what got you here? What got you interested in uh, doing comics and cartooning and art? And uh, How did your journey start? Uh, well, I kind of had no excuse. My mom is an art teacher, so I couldn't escape it. It had to happen. Um, I think, like most people uh, uh, these days, we grew up watching animated movies, and who didn't want to be an animator growing up? Like, everyone did. And as I got older and older, my heart kind of dropped a little bit more every time I realized that hand animation really isn't as big of a thing anymore. But, uh, you know, in that same vein, uh, storyboarding was is still hugely used. So I started getting into storyboarding and sequential art and, and how things move and how storylines uh, kind of versus the framework. And I thought the best way to get into it would be start reading some comics. So I started reading comics probably uh, early middle school because I wanted to switch gears and 
yeah, the rest is history. I looked for the first comic book school I could find, and it was the only comic book school I could find. And then, <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, and then went for it. So you, uh, so you went to the Kubert School. Um, so for those of you who are not familiar, I, I was aware of this because I remember, like, I read a lot of comics, and they, just, they would always have those ads where, like, people are getting, like, eaten by some extra-dimensional horror. And yeah, like, and that but happened the good to news me, is, too. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. the good news is you got accepted to the Kubert School. Yeah. Is, 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 uh, so mm-hmm. what was that like? Um, what was your experience? Like, what did you do there? Well, um, I mean, it's kind of cool because, uh, I mean, I don't want this to be taken the wrong way, but it actually is a pretty easy school to get into. Mm -hmm. The hard part is once you get in there, uh, the dropout rate is about two-thirds the students. So when I started, there were about 90 of us in my class, and then when I graduated three years later, there were only 23 of us, and out of that, only two of us were women. So not only is it just a hard school, um, but the industry is not super friendly uh, to to the female kind. So, um, but I had a, an immense amount of fun. Not because there's a party. I don't think I know what a frat party is, but it was a ton of work. And what it is, it's essentially a trade school that only focuses on comic books and illustration. So we had ten different classes a week. And uh, so two classes a day, two hours and 45 minutes long each. And uh, each class gave out three to five hours of homework a night that would be due the following week. So most colleges will give you like a semester project and then you have to get it done by the semester. These These classes each would give a homework assignment that was due the following week in full. So um, so we had about two to three all-nighters a week. And also, if you got one assignment in late, it immediately was a fail, and it brought your grade, a whole letter grade down. And if you got any lower than a C-plus in any class, you were automatically kicked out. So either you did all your work, uh, uh, really, you know, really all the way, the way you needed it and had it in on time, um, or uh, you had a lot of money because uh, you could get those grades back if you paid. I think it was two hundred sixty dollars per assignment. Hmm. So, um, so if you got one in late, you know, both of my parents are teachers, so you may know, you may see that uh, I was not one of the rich ones, and uh, so I just worked my butt off. And um, and the cool thing about it is, if you make it through to your last year, they set you up with interviews with all the big major comic book companies. So I sat with Marvel, I sat with DC and Vertigo, and I sat with Dark Horse, I believe. Um, And possibly, um, there may have been a few more, but um, we got, um, your first year at the Kubert School is learning the supplies. So they will give you a class on every single material that you'll need to use, including a digital coloring class. Um, we had some classes on digital inking. We had a color or um, a lettering class. Uh, we even had painting and sequential. And um, every year you had to do uh, figure drawing, of course. Second year is establishing your style and establishing who you are as an artist. You, you learn about yourself. You learn about what you want to do and create. Um, and you learn about what you're good at and what you're bad at. Third year, the only thing you did all year was put together your portfolio. The whole year was dedicated to those interviews at the end of 
uh, at the end of the year. So everything you did, every single assignment, the 10 assignments a week, every single one was for your portfolio. And in the last month, you picked through your hundreds and hundreds of assignments and you chose which ones, like which top 20 you'd want to put in that portfolio. So um, every single day at that school was to get you a job. And then by the time you graduated, you didn't get a diploma. You only um, you only got those interviews. So so that so you knew how good you were, and you worked for yourself. You didn't work for a diploma. You worked for a job. So um, it definitely had a different way of setting things up. But all the teachers were professionals in the field, um, and you knew who to go to if you had questions on different things. Uh, Joe Kubert was a teacher when I was there. Um, he, he's uh, not around anymore, unfortunately, but I had the honor to uh, be taught by him in my final year. And, uh, and also his two sons, Andy Kubert and Adam Kubert, who draw Superman and Batman and uh, you know, Marvel and DC. So anyway, we had a, a, just a lot of amazing experiences and it was in New Jersey, so really close to New York City. And yeah, it's a, I couldn't talk enough about this place. Can you tell I used to be a tour guide at the Kubert I School? I can, yeah, now yeah. that you mentioned it, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. I'm sorry, if, if no one cared about any of that. But I, I believe you, some of your uh, art is actually adorning the walls. Yeah. Uh, I have a painting of uh, Wonder Woman in in a position where it looks like she really has to go to the bathroom, and she is forever on the door of the girls' bathroom at the Kubert School. So, so if you ever go there, you will uh, you'll see her there. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw that. I'm like, that's pretty good. I don't yeah. know if I'm gonna I, I don't know if I'll put it on the slideshow, but uh, it's, I, I really I really like that one. I don't look like that anymore in that picture, <laughs> but um, but yeah, and it's an honor. Sometimes people still message me and ask if that was mine. So. Sure. So yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about another piece you did a little bit closer to home, mm -hmm. uh, if if you if it's okay with you. So uh, you, uh, you better this, not. I, all right. No, we better didn't. <laughs> okay. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So this uh, mural you did in De Pere. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. So this uh, um, this mural was done at the Paint and Pottery Building. Uh, tell me a little bit about this because um, this is a really lovely piece. Thank you. Um, so I guess this is maybe a nice jumping point to also talk about your style and kind of your approach and your aesthetic uh, mm -hmm. to your work. Mm -hmm. Well, this one, uh, surprisingly enough, actually started a little bit of controversy. Uh, a lot of people didn't know what it meant, and and that's okay. You, the idea of art, in my opinion, is is if no one talks about it, then you've failed. You know, if no one has a conversation, then then your artwork has fallen flat and it's not sparking something inside of people. So. Um, I didn't want the meaning of it to slap somebody in the face and say, here it is, you know, take it. I wanted, um, I wanted everyone to have like a different idea of what it meant. So um, the actual meaning of it or the title of the piece is The Power of Creativity. And uh, I have been kind of a leader in, in a lot of movements, um, or maybe not a leader, but a very strong advocate of a movement that uh, stands for creative thought processes in decision-making and leadership roles. And I believe that creative people should be put in, um, I, I just think a lot of creative people think, okay, I'm an introvert and that's it, you know, and, and I'll live with that. You can be an introvert and a leader. That's it all the time. There's a ton of leaders who are introverts. And I'm trying to 
kind of give strength to people with creative minds and who can solve problems creatively because once you start looking at something in a creative way, um, that is when change happens and that's when the community and and things become a little bit more forward moving. So this this design, the power of creativity, was the girl was just supposed to represent a general person. Um, I, I preferred her looking as if she was a person of color, um, but I wanted her to be it kind of be ambiguous. I didn't want to kind of put a underline on it. And so she's just a general person. The wolf uh, in front of her is representing the power the strength that we all have inside of us uh, to take that leap, to take that position, to be a leader. Um, and then the fish I wanted to show, they're kind of weaving through her hair and they're supposed to represent kind of the flow in everything we do. There's always a chance to use that creative thought process in any problem that you've come up with. So um, those are just kind of, she's always got it in the back of her mind. Use use this option that you have because it's very powerful. And then the feathers behind her um, are residual. What is left behind after we're gone? You walk through a town and everything you see was put together by a creative thinker. And, um, and I really wanted that to uh, show through. And the, um, the feathers behind her, I didn't put a primer on underneath them. So they're actually meant to kind of fade away um, as for the rest of it is supposed to be kind of a long lasting uh, d image. So um, that's the actual, uh, the actual meaning of it, but I think a lot of people took Native American themes and nature themes from it, which is 100% fine as well. And I want people to see what they want to see in it. So, yeah. And, and of course, art is inherently uh, art is inherently subjective too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. like, I, I'm just curious. Like, I just, I just see interesting to see like you know all the people who drive by this or walk by this, just like all the different thoughts and kind of what they project onto it and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. You did another piece of uh, community art uh, too while we're at it. Um, this one uh, was actually a sidewalk art, right? Yeah. So uh, let's talk about this piece too. Um, what what, do you, uh, what was kind of the idea or the uh, sort of impetus behind this? Yeah. So uh, this was a really cool new festival that happened in downtown Green Bay, the Hopeland Fest, um, and it was a big. Um, music festival but also it teamed up with local artists and they had us each kind of in a different space around town uh, doing doing local art there were some mural artists there were chalk artists and and um, some other uh, local painters and so so this design uh, the actual logo of the festival was a bird perched on a branch and I in my mind, the bird represented hope. So um, I actually did two chalk drawings for this this event. Uh, one was this one, and then one was another bird that was held together kind of by rainbows. Mm -hmm. And I wanted the feathers to be really representational of hope. So um, so for this, it just I just wanted. I love drawing women. It's probably my favorite thing to draw. I I don't know why. Maybe I'm. I mean, I'm a woman, so maybe that's a thing. Um, but uh, yeah, so the feathers were just um, just supposed to represent kind of it encroaching on her and to to have it always in her mind, never lose hope, never um, you know, never lose what what drives you and and keeps you going. Well, so, I see. I yeah. see a lot of that sort of. Uh, 
focus on like femininity and feminism in your work, which I think is really, really great. It's one of the things I've just like, is very much immediately apparent when you look at your work. Um, and how would you say that yours kind of differs from, you know, from your, so you, you went to the Kubert school and of course, so that's kind of like a more kind of like traditional comics background, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. How would you say your approach to drawing women is different, is inspired by that? Um, and kind of like, what do you look to do when you, when you sit down and you draw these things about women? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of controversy these days about comic book costumes and things like women don't get the proper you know, cover up that maybe they need. Um, I am out of that conversation altogether because I strongly believe that women should be able to wear whatever they want and they can still be a powerful being. So I don't, I don't care how, you know, how little she's wearing. Mm-hmm. I think she can still be powerful. It's all in how they're written. And um, I can draw the most powerful woman in the world, but if you draw her or if you write her to be a ditz and a really weak character, you know, and even a ditz can be a powerful character. I mean, that's beside the point as well. But if if I'm teamed up with a writer who knows how to write women and, uh, you know, a little side note you write women like human beings. That's that's a great place to start, you know? Like, I mean, think about it. People, right? Um, what a concept. Yeah, see? Yeah. There's something. Um, but that, in comics, if you want to portray a powerful woman, you get a writer who can write a powerful woman because I can draw what I believe is the most powerful woman in all. I'm going to give her thunder thighs. I'm going to give her huge love handles and wonderful stretch marks. And I'm going to consider her the most powerful woman I can think of. She's going to have bingo wings, you know, these things. And she is just going to just be the coolest person on earth. But if you write her to, to have no personality at all, then then it's upsetting. Do you ever notice how a lot of writers write women to be like the buzzkill? Do you ever have that? Where you've got this big crew of guys mm-hmm. and then you get the girl in there and she's, she's the mom. She's less fun yeah. than all of them and the less interesting. It's like it's like you've got the funny guy, you've got like the guy who who hits on all the girls and you've got um, like the shy guy who's super sexy, you know? And then you know, and then you've got this woman who's just like, come on, you guys, like, let's get to it, you know, and it's like, okay, well, you know, but all, all I'm saying is power is not in the image alone. And I'm going to put all these images out that I believe is a powerful woman, but the character that you have in your brain is what makes her powerful. It's not me. Uh, unfortunately, I don't really have the power to give power. It's it's who perceives it and how they perceive it. Mm-hmm. So so if I put a girl in a super sexy outfit, um, if you see her as like, whoa, that girl. Can I see the A word? I mean, yeah, I'm not. That gonna girl s- is a badass, yeah. you know. And and you're like, oh, that girl's a badass. I want to be that girl. I bet she kicks butt. Like I bet she is so cool then you've automatically made my character super powerful. If you look at her and be like, wow, look at that prostitute. Like, I bet she's an idiot and that, you know, like, and, and, and all I am doing is looking at her as an object. Then you've already ruined the power. So, so anyway, um, so I like to make women powerful because um, for my, my big thing is I love uh, giving women emotional mm-hmm. faces. Uh, and so, uh, I believe the eyebrows 
are the windows to the soul. More so the um, uh, the shutters mm -hmm. to the soul. Um, I, I, the eye, there's a lot of emotion in eyes, but I always give women really big bushy eyebrows because I feel like that's the most powerful feature I can think of on a woman. Um, but that's that's about as much power as I, I can give mm -hmm. and, and all the rest is- It's in all in the eyebrows. Like, yeah, okay. see? Uh, and so that's yeah. really interesting. Do you think that there's also maybe, because uh, we, we talked about like the role of the writer and that kind of thing, but do you think the audience also might have um, something to say in terms of how, like, if, if you sort of are predisposed to say, okay, I see this woman this way, then that kind of like shapes or maybe like misinterprets what the artist and the writer were trying to do, or that kind of thing. What do you think the, the role the audience plays in that? Well, um, I, th I mean, I think they play a huge role in it. Um, if anything, you could say they play the only role. Um, I mean, I'm only presenting it to you. It's only, it's your cho choice on how to make it. And, um, you know, what their predisposition to believe are the experiences that they have had throughout their life. And, I mean, people shouldn't be at fault for seeing things in a certain way, but they should be at fault for stopping themselves from having experiences that may cause them to think a different way. So um, it's not... Uh, oh, you know, woe is me, I haven't been able to meet a lot of people or have a lot of girls as friends or see a lot of powerful women. It's, I'm going to put myself out there to experience and to meet new people and to know more people and, um, you know, and, and then maybe I can see women in a different light. Mm -hmm. So um, so I don't believe that people who do see them as a, an object should be immediately called bad. It's mm -hmm. not, I mean, that's a lot of what's hammered into our heads growing up is, is, is you know, she is a sex symbol and he is a warlord, you know, like, and, and that's a lot of what we've mm. been given. And it's no one's fault to think that way. It's just, um, but it's up to us as artists and, and promoters and writers to have people see it in a different way. So, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about some more of your work. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you, you, you obviously work in a lot of different styles, everything from uh, paper to walls mm -hmm. to sidewalks. Mm -hmm. um, the sky's the limit, and maybe the sky eventually, yeah. right? Um, yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to write. Did you see that guy who, who wrote the, the penis in the sky? No. No? No. no I, I'm going to be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... What is your process when you sit down to make something? Is there a particular medium you like to work in? Or um, is there a particular place you like to start? Do you sketch everything on paper? Do you work digitally? Like, what's, what's the Carly-eyed process like? Um, well, I mean, I prefer starting by hand. I feel like you get the most loose gestures and, and really trust yourself in that initial loose sketching stage. Uh, I have a big rule is once when you're starting off the sketch on your own, do not use an eraser. And only for the initial. Once you start putting down the final lines, feel free to erase. But that, but trust yourself. That initial gesture that your wrist has made is going to keep the flow. Your, your character is not going to look stiff. And it's going to have a natural movement to it. So uh, right off the bat, whether you're using you know, a pencil or a pen, do not pick up that eraser until you're ready to start cleaning up the lines um, because a lot of people will do a rough sketch and then like erase little parts of it and then like fix it all together. Um, for me, I try to work in layers and uh, 
you know, it's okay if you don't have a light box. I don't have a light box. A window can work just fine. So what I'll do is I'll do the initial sketch, and then you can tape it against a window, and then you can put a piece of paper over the top of it, and then you can put your final lines over the top of it. That way you don't lose the movement uh, of your initial design. Um, when you're trying to, so that's what I'll usually do with characters. Uh, if I want to put together a full piece uh, or a cover or a, a panel, something like that, um, I'll use something called thumbnails. And uh, if you don't know what a thumbnail is, it's just a very short, very small, maybe two inches by two inches preliminary sketch of, um, of just the balance and where things will be placed. So you literally can just put like a little like hill shape where the people are. You don't have to establish what they're doing, but it's really important to do that right off the bat so that you can figure out the balance of your imagery and the flow. And um, always keep in mind how images go from one to the other and how your viewers are going to see the image and, and tell the story in their minds. So you want to make sure that one thing flows to another in the right order. Um, for instance, if there's a reveal in your image, you don't want them to see the reveal first. You want them to see, see the build up and then catch what the reveal is. So um, anyway, those thumbnails will be a really good way of um, kind of figuring out how everything's laid out. And then from there, you do your final pencils. Um, if I'm doing a comic book cover, I'm not sure if this is helpful or not, um, I'll take my final pencils, I'll scan them in, and then what I'll do is I make them into blue line work. We call it non-repro blue. Um, and it's where I bring that into Photoshop, and I'll change my final pencils uh, into all cyan. Um, and, and it's a little bit of a process, but it doesn't take too long once you kind of figure out how to do it. It has to do with channels and things. But anyway, I'll change all my lines to a blue, and then I'll print them out on the comic board as blue line work, uh, and then I ink over the blue instead of my original pencils. Uh, the reason I do this is two reasons. One, um, I'm selfish and I hate when my pencils are ruined and it's really nice to have them to the side so I can refer back to them if I totally F up. Um, and then, um, but my other reason is uh, once you start selling your artwork, then you'll have two things that you can sell if you want. Um, but, uh, but it's nice to have. It's always really nice to have your original pencils. And I can't tell you a more heartbreaking thing of ruining your original pencils with inks. And it's so easy to do. So, and I usually ink most of my stuff with a brush mm -hmm. on its own. So, yeah. Okay, so it's kind of like a mixed media kind of thing is what you're working with. So you yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, that whole spiel was mostly comics and illustration. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's lots of other things. There's painting. Yeah. I also do pumpkin sculpture sure. during uh, during the Halloween season. So we're coming up on that now. Yeah. Uh, if any of you guys, I don't mean to promote. No, but, please. That's why you're here. Um, Windigo Fest, which is a really cool like uh, horror movie festival in Manitowoc. It's happening next weekend, and I'm doing pumpkin sculptures at Windigo Fest. So mm -hmm. they're um, they're good friends of mine mm -hmm. and. Uh, yeah, they, they've got some crazy events. They've got little people wrestling, if you're into that. 
um, um, I, 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 I've never seen it, um, but I hear it's a hit. Uh, but if and they've got live bands and lots of scary and uh, costume contests and things like that. So okay. and, when, and when's that? Uh, next weekend. Okay, so so I sure. think it's Friday or I think it's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I believe. All right. So this one will probably have to go out first out of all the ones I'm recording today. What? Oh. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. That's oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah. But no, okay. So cool. And I've actually seen some of your, uh, if you go to DeviantArt and look you up, uh, mm-hmm. there's some of your past pumpkin research or yeah. not pumpkin work, I guess, on there. It's yeah. really interesting stuff. Yeah. If you look up my name on Google, everything that comes up is mine, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. So yeah. yeah. That's what I did. Uh, is I, is I, I looked up your name. Oh, and yeah. It works. You can, yeah. you can do it. I think I'm the only one of me. Surprisingly, though, there is another Carly eyed in Green Bay. Oh, but she spells Carly differently. OK, but last name is totally the same. And she's also a very talented artist. Uh, but don't get it twisted. <laughs> No. All right, cool. <laughs> um, so I want to show some of your other work here, too. And this is um, some stuff that you've done. It's a little bit of comics work and some other things, too. Um, nope, that's not it. Okay, hang on. Uh, there we go. Okay, so uh, I want to start off and kind of talk about you have an eclectic list of favorite author or artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's names like Frank Frazetta, which mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Yep. Uh, Salvador, Salvador Dali, um, Adam Hughes, Chris Sanders. These are all like really, they're very, uh, they're all very like tops in their respective kind of mm-hmm. style, but they're all radically different. Yeah. And, you know, these are, you, we're, I always like to say we're the product of our influences in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. right? And then you do, you create something new out of that. So um, what about these artists you admire? And what do you look to from their work and your work? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, first off, Frank Frazetta, if you don't know who he is, you really should. When my friend showed me his work for the first time, it changed my life. And surprisingly enough, I, I wasn't shown it until maybe late high school. So I didn't see it for a while. But then once I saw it, it, it really changed uh, the way I thought about artwork. Um, not only because of how he paints his women, uh, they're very kind of voluptuous and pretty normal shaped, uh, which is wonderful. I believe that he paints them very powerfully. Um, But also in colors, if you're interested in color, he pretty much puts the whole rainbow spectrum in all of his paintings, but it doesn't look chaotic or, I mean, everything has a color scheme, but it's insane because when he's painting somebody's skin tone, he'll put like every single color of the rainbow. And and that's really inspiring to me is, um, let me just like switch it around really quick. In uh, the height of his career, I believe it was in his 50s, he had a stroke and he could not use his right side of his body. So he had to retrain himself to paint with his left side and the work he created after that actually became... Uh, his most popular work and better than it was before because it became kind of impressionistic and um, and uh, he used more colors and he used looser forms. Um, anyway, that's a huge inspiration to me. Also, he never used reference. Uh, if you watch interviews with him, he never used reference, mm-hmm. which um, I I am a strong believer that reference is good. So mm-hmm. don't I mean never trace. You guys should never trace. That's a that's a cardinal sin. But um, reference, especially live reference. Uh, if someone says, "Hey, uh, they're doing a, a figure drawing. You want to come?" Never say no. Always go. Figure drawing is so important. Um, also, I watch YouTube all the time, and what I like to do is do gestural drawings of people's uh, emotions while I'm watching YouTube. Uh, you always can find an excuse to draw. Never stop. Anyway, all that aside, so I love Frank Frazetta for that. Um, 
Adam Hughes, just an iconic comic book illustrator. There's, uh, do you know that in the for a long time he did all of his coloring using a mouse? I did not. Yeah, he. I don't know if he does it anymore. But back in the day, uh, he does the cut and grad method, which is a, where you uh, select an area digitally, and then you use a gradient, and you gradiate from you know one color to another over the top of your flat colors. Anyway, he would do it all using um, a, a mouse. And if you've never seen his work, uh, you really should, because it's uh, he's not a fast artist no. unfortunately I, I, um, I remember like some of the books he worked on i was actually getting them as they came out I'm like those there was a noticeable delay sometimes yeah. in, in terms of when they'd actually come he's out he's not fast but it's just so worth it and and he's a really good person mm-hmm. um i a few years ago i was at a comic-con i dressed up as uh Let's see, I was Saturn Girl, the old Saturn Girl mm-hmm. from the 50s comics, not the new one. And he pulled me out of a crowd, and he wanted to take pictures with me. And he had a huge audience with him. And he said, he said, oh, you're an artist? Come back tomorrow and bring your portfolio, and I'll do a portfolio review. Like, just, like, off the bat. And if you know anything about this guy, he's got, like, a five-year wait on his sketches. So, uh, so his like list of people who want sketches from him are like out five, five to ten years. Like it's huge. Um, anyway, uh, he's really inspiring uh, to me. And then um, Chris Sanders, he actually started off as a pinup artist. Uh, he did pinup work. I think I don't know if he worked with Playboy at all, but he did like really beautiful women. Um, and I'm not sure if he started that or he ended that way. But he actually did all of the. Um, art concepts for Lilo and Stitch. That's how most people would know him. Is he he did all the art direction for Lilo and Stitch? And did he direct that movie too? Or? I don't know if he directed yeah. it, but I know he did like art direction mm-hmm. for it. Um, and uh, this is uh, an unpopular opinion, uh, but Lilo and Stitch is actually my least favorite Disney movie. Um, but it's funny because the artist on it is mm-hmm. my favorite, one of my favorite artists of all time. I just didn't really care for the story. I thought both the characters were really annoying. But, um, uh, but the art is amazing. You can't deny it. It's amazing, and and the way he like shapes the faces and the eyes and and the um, the character design of the older sister, mm-hmm. like she's got those huge like calves and she's a really like powerful like normal person build. It's just so wonderful. Um, so if you can watch it on mute, uh, you know. No, I'm just I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm horrible. My favorite Disney movie is Hercules. That's a good uh, one too. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good one. Um, and that actually, the art director for one of the art directors for that, one of them, he actually worked on the wall mm-hmm. uh, with Pink Floyd, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of cool. So, so there's a really like jagged design of characters that kind of came from him. Um, anyway, uh, I don't know who else was on my list. Uh, I've also got uh, Salvador Dali. Salvador Dali. Yeah. Well. I mean, that's that kind of goes without saying, mm-hmm. right? I think um, I you, think you definitely see a lot of that in some of the, like the the the, the murals we, and the sidewalk art yeah. we looked at here just a moment ago. I love surreal art, and that's I just love surreal art and just like things floating in things and half animal things and I don't know. Um, I I like a smooth gradient. And uh, that first and foremost is in his work. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, uh, surrealism. And also, that guy was brilliant. Um, I saw, um, I-, I visited uh, Spain in high school. 
and I saw a, an exhibit of his where you would stand at certain angles of his artwork and it would like look like a face and then you would step away from it and then like the different elements would all spread out and it would be just like little pieces like all over the place. So he was really brilliant on kind of um, perspective and um, just looking at things differently and that's all about kind of what I'm into so yeah so I want to talk about a couple of pieces that I have up here mm -hmm. um, so we got a couple comic uh, covers uh, and then another one I'm, I'm saving for a little bit later because I really want to talk about it because mm -hmm. I really really like it um, but uh, we have here um, covers you did um, one of them is for uh, Kiss Meets Vampirella I believe is, was the name of it or mm -hmm. something like that yeah, yeah. Um, so and then we have another one uh, in the center there this is uh, Vampirella Meets Hack Slash um, and then, of course, we have a piece over here. Um, I just realized this is not great for a podcast, but whatever. Um, the <laughs> we're making a lot of reference to things that people can't actually look at, but um, that's all right. Uh, we also have a piece you did here for a PBR uh, beer can contest. So your work is very varied. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk about some of the comics work you've done, because we were actually talking before the show started about, um, you know, you, you did this piece uh, for Dynamite. Um, uh, you did a, a couple variant covers, right, mm -hmm. for them, uh, for this Kiss Meets Vampirella series. Mm -hmm. And so you said you actually have a check signed by Gene Simmons. Yeah. And, and all that sort of stuff. So uh, what got you, like, what, what kind of, uh, what opened the door for that? Was this uh, part of the um, interviews you guys, that you did um, uh, after you got out of the Kubert School, or how did this come about? Well, that's another amazing thing about the Kubert School, is not only did they set you up with these interviews, but your classmates, they also uh, went on to do mm -hmm. amazing things. And I was honored, uh, one of the editors from uh, Dynamite, who is Anthony Marquez, he was one of the alumni of my class. So, uh, so he came to me, um, and I will say this, there's a lot of ladies in the audience, and uh, I, I hate to take advantage of this, but we are not a huge commodity in the comic book industry, so people take a second look at you. So get in there and put your work out there because a lot of comic companies, they, say, they see these kind of feminist controversies and they see, oh wow, we have no women in our, like we should probably hire some women. And then they'll specifically seek you out. Um, I'm not saying that's how I got all of my gigs. I got them because I was good at what I did. But, um, but they take a second look at you when when you're a lady because a lot of people want more women in their uh, in their industry. And so they should because they look at things a little bit differently. So um, anyway, I know that they were looking for more female artists to bring into the fold, and uh, and so he reached out to me for that. So. Um, so I got in there because of Anthony, uh, which which was pretty cool. So, so yeah, it was good. So, to so have there's some a lot of networking that goes on uh, yep. to get into this in, uh, into this industry. Yep, I'm friends with a lot of my old classmates. So okay. yeah. Uh, and the other thing I want to ask, of course, you've done uh, a lot of your standalone kind of original art. We saw, of course, the murals. We saw the uh, sidewalk art. We see a lot of your digital rotoscoping stuff. It's again, you can check it. Just uh, Carly Eyed is worth a Google. Uh, just it's worth it. Just see some yeah. of the cool stuff she does. Um, yeah, even if you look up rotoscope animation on images, mm -hmm. all the first ones are mine. Really? Yeah. So which there you go. You're really big bizarre. on Google Images. Yeah. Actually, I think that I did an animation of Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yep. uh, like turning and falling. That was the front page of Reddit, I think, for a few days or wow. a day or something. That's amazing. Yeah. And that well, was like, uh, it, was, it was a collaborative thing with a bunch of other artists, right? Yeah. Uh, it was like a music video. You all did different parts mm -hmm. of it or something like that? Yeah. And I can talk to you guys later about that, too. I'm actually currently working. They're putting out a comic book. Oh, really? And I'm the lead artist on it. Oh, and that's very, very cool. Yeah. It's, it's due up. Uh, 
by the end of this month, so I've got two days. Sure. It's going to be great. How's, how's it coming? Deadlines, guys. <laughs> They're crazy. Um, it's, it's coming along. Yeah, great. Uh, yeah. What is the comic about? It is. They've created their own character. Mm-hmm. His, uh, it's called Paper Hero, and your main character, Frank Folds, is like a man that's all created out of paper. So he looks kind of like a, um, like a paper mache man, mm-hmm. and his face is covered in different like newspaper articles. So it's just pretty much like a hero comic mm-hmm. of, um, he's also like a detective and like a, he fights on the, you know, he fights people on the street. Sure. And, you know, so, so uh, I mean, I have to get farther into it. Right now I'm, um, so it's a digital comic, mm-hmm. but they're animating it. So, um, but not like full animations where they're actually just taking an arm and moving it or, or, or waving his like uh, tie in the wind or something. So what I'm doing is I'm putting these all together digitally and then putting different elements on different layers and then they're going to give that to a digital animator. And um, they're using this as a trailer. Mm-hmm. for the rest of the comic. So um, so right now it's just like 45 different frames and then I just hand them in and then once it goes through, it should be a full series. That's so, really, really cool. Yeah. And so uh, whenabouts, do you know that, uh, when they're planning to release that? Or? I'm not sure. Um, I would think that the, I think that the trailer is going to premiere mid to end October. That's mm-hmm. how fast they're doing this. Wow. So um, the site I'm part of is called Hit Record. Uh, org and it's run by Joseph Gordon Lovett and uh, his brother and him started the company and it's a huge online collaboration community uh, where it brings artists and creators from all over the world so if you're a writer an artist an actor a musician um, just like a whole bunch of different things and what they'll do is they'll get somebody to have an idea someone will write a script and then that script will be drawn and the characters will be designed. And then from there, they'll animate it. They'll create backgrounds. Someone will write a score. And then they'll ask people from all over the world who know how to like play different instruments. And they're like, can you play this? Can you play this? Can you play this? And they'll all record it in their own homes. And then they just all bring it together. And the cool, I mean, it's not the coolest part, but a cool part is you get paid when you're done. So, so it's not just you're just wasting your time. It's a great community. It's a lot of fun. Um, and and people are really knowledgeable about what they're doing. So, um, and and uh, Joseph Gordon Lovett has said my name on, oh, on like two or three. Like occasions. that right there, I yeah. feel is 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 worth the entire yeah. process. He, he hasn't quite gotten the pronunciation yet, but I think the fourth time rounds the charm. I think you know. You just keep doing the work. Eventually, yeah. he will have to keep saying your name enough yeah. to get it right. He's a really cool person, by the way. He he's really given a lot to these artists. So. Um, I'm not sure. Did I answer that question? I, I mean, I, you, you, it's great. Like, okay. actually, I, um, just yeah. really curious. Like, and, and you don't have to go into this detail if you want. But mm-hmm. do you uh, do you still have an ownership stake in your work after it's after you've um, put it out there? How it does that work? It is open source. Oh, okay. So if you are part of the community, anything you put up there is open to collaboration. Cool. But the rule is, is if you um, if you download somebody's work off the site and then you post it back up, you have to give ownership to the people who helped you. So so if I need a reference photo, I'll go on the site and find a reference of somebody posing and then I'll draw out the frame. But once I post that frame up, I'll have to cite that source that I used. And um, and they've got big rules against it also, or like for it and against it. Also, once you post things up on the site, you have to go through like three different, ex- um, like, is this your work? Check, yes. Is this your work? Are you sure? Check. They have to 
make sure that it's all yours. It cannot be any other like copyrighted imagery, but once you put it up, it's open source for anyone on there to collaborate with it. But no one can take possession of it. No one can say, this is mine now. It, it's, a, it's a sharing thing. So if you use, you have to be really honest to make sure that you, that you cite somebody else. But that means that you know, if I drew a character that one person drew one time, they're, they're going to get paid for me using it like in one frame, even if they only get like $10, they'll get paid for it. That's so really cool. yeah, it's a, it's an amazing site. And if you're part of it, you can use whatever's on there as long as you cite them. So yeah. And so, um, when you, when you do this kind of work as, as whether it's part of a collective or for comics, is there a, do you approach it differently than you would, uh, something that's more personal? Um, or, or is it just kind of like the same thing, just a different sort of audience or outcome? Well, as a freelance artist, there's lots of rules and there's lots of little things that people will tell you. Um, and one thing to always keep in mind, and this sounds super cynical, but if you're doing a freelancing gig, uh, nine times out of ten when they say do whatever you want, they don't want whatever you want to do. Um, so, so a lot of times when people say, hey, uh, I would love to commission you for something, can you draw just whatever you want to draw. Well, then I'm going to draw like a woman riding a unicorn that's chopped in three pieces with, you know, like with like goo dripping out. You know, it's I want that's what I want to draw. But um, but nobody really wants that. So um, so so for me, anytime it's a commission, um, you have to know who your audience is. I like to I get like to get to know who's hiring me. Um, I like to know more about them. I'll do a little bit Facebook stalking, um, just to kind of see what their aesthetic is. Uh, it's not hard to kind of feel people out. Uh, so, so versus what I want to do, like f versus what they want me to do is a usually a totally different thought process. For me, it's whatever's going to look the coolest and um, whatever I'm into at the time, which I'm really into things chopped in half. Right. Uh, I don't it, know. It, it's the, it's the Dolly influence. In yeah. There a lot. I yeah. don't know. I, yeah, I've been really, I, I drew this picture recently of a cat and its head's chopped in half, but then on the inside of his head is like a ball of yarn and a mouse and a fish and all the things cats love. And everyone who looks at it, they're like, ugh, that's really morbid. And it, was, it wasn't, and there's no blood or anything. It's actually like bright pink and neon colors. It's supposed to be like, here's what a cat thinks about, but no one yeah, took it at that. I, I got that just from the description. Yeah, it's yeah, but a, bunch a lot of, of people, out there. Yeah, it's it's, but everyone looks at things different. A lot of people were seeing it. They're like, oh, I love the Cheshire Cat. And I was like, <laughs> all, right, all right, yeah, me too. Um, but I, as long as people are happy, I yeah. really, my big thing is I love, I love to please people, and I love creating work that is universally enjoyed. Mm -hmm. um, so, sure, like it doesn't. I mean, a lot of what I do isn't, you know, isn't the most interesting thing in the world, but I like to see people with smiles on their mm -hmm. face. I love to see people know what it is. Everything is very representational. I do not, I don't do anything, um, like I don't really do abstract or minimal. Mm -hmm. I, I'm all about the details. And, um, but like I said, with, with a commission, you want to kind of feel out what the person wants, whether they have specifics or not. And then with my own, um, it's it's all about you know, just chopping things in half yeah. and 
getting real weird with it. Slime and yeah. bright colors, and yeah, it's all good. So I got to ask you one, uh, just real quick. Um, uh, also on this uh, this thing behind us, we have a piece of art you did for the Pabst uh, Blue Ribbon Beer. Uh, they did like an art contest. Uh, yeah, my, my every year they do a can art contest, and the winner gets ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. I didn't win anything, but you should have. It's, it's, it's cool really though. Cool. Um, and uh, if you guys have a, a, a little time extra, they're doing it right now, but it's due October first. So if you can get your design in really quick, they have three categories. They have um, like a, a a sculpture category. They have a, like a two D traditional art category, and then they have a can art category. Each category, the winner gets ten thousand. So. Not really much to lose if you just go yeah. for it and do it. And I, I was left with a really cool image, yeah. whether I won or not. I, so. I, it's a very striking. We got what's this, uh, like an elf woman yeah. with like uh, antlers, and there's a dragon, and yeah. there's a bunch of skulls. It's really, yeah. really cool. I called it the thief. The thief. I, 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 I love it, yeah. fantasy. Yeah. I'm so into fantasy. 80s fantasy, obviously, my reference to uh, mm-hmm. Never Ending Story. 80s fantasy is probably, 80s fantasy and horror are probably my two. Like greatest influences. Um, it really comes in through the in the work I've seen. Like, oh, there's, thank it's you. very striking that way. Thank you. Um, so I, I got to ask then. So you talk about your influences. Uh, is there a dream project, a company you want to work with, a personal project you want to see come to fruition, something you've always wanted to draw? Just what is it? Something like if you could say, I as Carly Eyed, I can do whatever I want. What's the thing you would do? Oh, man, every it's weird because every day I have a different one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a while, I was so into special effects makeup. I watched Face Off constantly, and I loved special effects and and prosthetics and and like body painting. I'm just I I love it. So that would be one thing. Although I just don't know a lot about it. Um, and then uh, storyboarding for. Pretty much any company. I, I just think the movement of um, of characters and emotion it really shows through when it comes to storyboarding. So that's always been something. And then um, I always wanted to be a tattoo artist. Oh. So uh, I did an apprenticeship for a little while, but uh, it didn't work out. It was a you know maybe five ten years ago, and I really wanted to pick it up again. Uh, I just love to do tattoos. Oh, so cool. yeah. So mm-hmm. you, you you put them anywhere. You put them, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a lot of different stuff you can do with this style. I think like yeah. uh, it's it's really cool. So the, yeah, like someone told me recently that they wanted me to do um, original paintings on the back of leather jackets. Oh. They said that the characters that I use probably could like. Um, just look like mm-hmm. a really cool on the back of a leather jacket. I don't know. Uh, honestly, Have you thought about like a van, like like the side of a van? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I I can use a. I know how to use a. What do you call it? The spray. The airbrush. The airbrush. Yeah. We had an airbrush class in college. I think most of us made fun of it though, hmm. because we're like, no one uses airbrush anymore. This is silly. Uh, I felt really bad for the teacher, but um, <laughs> but we all just kind of thought it was goofy because we'd like. Put like circles down, you airbrush around it, be like, there, a moon. We're going to go smoke, you know, like, no, I don't smoke. Um, not with these teeth. Uh, but anyway, it's, um, but yeah, so, so I, I, I just love everything. When you're a freelancer, if I can give anything to you guys, if you're, uh, right now I'm only freelancing. I don't have any other side jobs or anything like that. Um, when you're a freelancer, the one thing you need to know, if you truly believe you're an artist, you have to be a yes man. Meaning, if someone comes to you with a problem, whether you know how to do it or not, you say yes. 
you do it. If it has to do with art, then it's what you've been training for. Do it. Like, that's how I got to do henna tattoos. That's how I was an, became a rotoscope animator. That's how I did pumpkin sculpting. It's just one of those things that you just always say yes. Um, and figure it out. Because a YouTube video is a wonderful thing that we all have available to us. Just do it. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Very cool. I'm going to use the last little bit of time here. If uh, anybody in the audience has any questions for Carly, they'd love to ask. Uh, just come on up. we got a microphone up there. You're more than welcome to uh, ask your questions. And uh, love to hear from you. I oh, like here to, we go. I love to hear myself speak. So let's go. Hi, Carly. Thanks for coming. Um, you mentioned working with writers, and it sounds like you get the content and then you have to draw. Mm -hmm. Have you ever gone back to your writers and said, this just doesn't fit? Do you ever push back? You know, it's, it's, that happens all the time, but not, not so much with me um, because I've been honored to have writers who are really, really specific or... I don't know. So there's two kinds of art uh, writers. There's ones who are very hands-on, and they give you every single panel, and they know exactly where they want everything, and they're like, I need this many panels on a page. This is what I see for every panel. With those writers, those are the ones you usually go back to because there's something that just doesn't fit. For instance, placement of your characters, you really never should have. So if you have the villain on the left side and your protagonist, on the right side that should never be flipped um, on on a single page because it'll confuse the reader and the story will not flow as much if suddenly your character is on the opposite side than it should be uh, the movement will all be wrong and things like that and those are things if you have a really specific writer you'll have to go back to them and say hey is it all right if I keep them at this orientation you can put them at different angles you can tilt your camera you can do a close-up you can do a far shot you can do like a really extreme fisheye lens but but um, there's just certain things that probably shouldn't be played with unless um, unless you want a certain feel. Um, so yeah, you do end up going back. I luckily haven't had to do that because in the past my writers have been um, have been like, oh, I, this is what happens in the script. Uh, just go for it, you know, and just make sure that you fit it within these, you know, 20, 22 pages or whatnot. So, um, so you, yeah, sometimes you'll have to go back. With the covers that I do, uh, the ones I've done for Dynamite, they actually didn't give me the story beforehand. Uh, they just said, here's your characters, do something fun. And I was like, what happens in it? And they're like, you don't know that. <laughs> and you won't. Um... Yeah, I still don't know what happened in those comics, but I mean, apparently there were it was a story. Um, so, so that's uh, when you do covers, don't expect to always know what the storyline is. Some of the more popular artists, like Adam Hughes, he probably gets like the whole series before he starts on a cover, like he knows the end. But um, you know, with what I do, oh, uh, for the for the Kiss ones, they specifically reached out to me because I do a lot of uh, local show posters, and they wanted each of my designs to be reminiscent of a show poster. So I actually went online and looked up layouts of old bands, um, like old band posters, and. Uh, 
uh, I mean, none of them were like copied exactly, but um, but just kind of like the way that the bodies are set up and things like that. Uh, and like I did like little borders and blurbs and things like that. But anyway, that's not your question. But but it does happen. Um, and 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 one of those things as a writer that you have to keep in mind is um, if you don't quite know. Um, you know, how characters sit in a frame in order to tell the story. Um, you know, some of that, that you have a really specific, like, thing in your mind, uh, you may have to let go of, or, um, or at least talk to your artist about what is most important. So, yeah. Other questions? We've got time for one more. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. So, you're tremendously prolific. How do, how do you not like how do you still have energy to create your own art? Oh, you know? oh thank you. <laughs> I um it's hard cuz I don't I don't really get to create a lot of my own art, but um but if you truly love what you do, uh, I think a lot of people say, you know, don't make your hobby a job because then you're going to hate it every day. But I strongly believe that if you love art, that it's not going to become a job because no matter what job you get, you can figure out how to put a piece of yourself in everything that you do. And, and you'll find a way to love um, everything, even if it's a commission. So, um, and especially if it's a commission, they are hiring you because they love you and they love what you do. And if you don't put any of your soul into it, then, then they didn't get, you know, what they wanted. But, um, but I do have time to, I, you know, it's a lot of it is, is unfortunately forcing yourself to do it. And sometimes you just don't want to. Um, but if you stop drawing for a while, it's really hard to pick it back up. Um, and it's not like, it's not like, oh, I forgot how to draw. It's, you find an inspiration from drawing yourself, like, or just drawing in general. And, and if you stop drawing, you're like, well, what's the point? I don't even feel like doing this, you know? Um, but if you keep going, then, then you'll be inspired by growth in any way. So, um, so what I do is I love, everyone's got something they love. I love listening to podcasts and I love watching Law and Order and Golden Girls. Um, those are my favorite things to do. And, you just figure out what you love to do and what you put time aside to for enjoyment and figure out how you can fit art in there. Um, and that's, that's the best way I can tell you to, to keep going with your own thing is um, I s recently started a series this summer of just drawing animals. Um, and uh, I went to the zoo and I forced myself to draw every single animal that I saw. And I just had such a nice day. I went alone. Like, you don't need people. You don't need people <laughs> to, to be inspired to, to do your own thing. Like, go out to the zoo and just draw the animals. And, um, yeah, and in general, like I said, with, the, uh, with YouTube, I, I love watching, like, uh, makeup tutorials on YouTube. And I'll just draw, like, the makeup artists while they're talking or um, when I go on a date or something, which, you know, is seldom. Um, you you can draw the person that you're going on a date with. They'll think they're special. You'll think, ah, you got an okay face. Um, <laughs> like, um, but, <laughs> but yeah, in general, it's, it's, it, there's always time. I know it sounds impossible. I know it's like, it's like, how the heck do I fit this in? But it's not. There's always more hours in the day. And yes, I stay up till 4 a.m., but you know, it's, I sleep till 11. So it's, you know, it, it all trades off. Um, you know, it's, yeah. So, so 
there's always time. If the things you love, there's always room for art. So that's the best I can say. Yeah. All right. Well, Carly, I thank you so much for being on Serious Fun. Wonderful to have you here. We really appreciate it. And uh, you're welcome back anytime. All right. Thank you. And thank Thank you you all. And uh, this has been Serious Fun. See you all and uh, enjoy the rest of Comic-Con. Thank you. You just listened to a Phoenix Studio production, the podcast network for the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. For more podcasts, visit uwgb.edu forward slash podcasts.